0: Welcome to the Living by Faith podcast. My name is Josh DeGroat, and this is episode number four. Thanks for checking this out. This is a podcast where we look at current news and events, theology, practical issues, and some history, and we do all of this from the perspective of the Christian's life of faith in Christ. I hope you find it helpful, informative, and encouraging. Let's get started. As the country continues to deal with a pandemic known as COVID-19, Researchers struggle to understand the true spread of the virus. The number of confirmed cases is talked about quite a lot, but of course, this does not account for all of those who have contracted COVID-19. One interesting line of research has been the results on the coasts from what has been called antibody tests, specifically in New York and California. These tests draw blood samples from people looking for COVID-19 antibodies. If the person tested has antibodies, it means he or she has been exposed to COVID-19 at one point and has since recovered. Stanford University conducted antibody tests in Santa Clara County, California, with a population of about 1.7 million people, and their findings were eye-opening, to say the least. The number of confirmed cases at the time of the tests in the county were roughly 1,000. Now, that's confirmed cases. The antibody tests performed on 3,300 county residents, however, showed that the number of actual COVID-19 cases is probably between 48,000 and 81,000, or 48 to 81 times higher than the number of confirmed cases. This means, if the data is true or holds true for the whole county, that Thousands of residences of Santa Clara County in California had the virus and either were asymptomatic, which means they didn't have symptoms, or got sick, recovered, and went on with life and didn't know they had it. In similar developments, in New York, as of Monday, April twentieth, 3,000 random samples were collected across the state, and it showed that one in seven people in the state of New York had antibodies. In New York City, the city of New York, the number was actually even higher, it was one in five. Again, this means that statewide, perhaps one in seven New York residents, residences had coronavirus at some point and recovered from it. Just to put it in actual numbers, if these results are accurate, in the state of New York alone, 2.7 million people have been infected. As more states undertake similar tests, It will be interesting to see what the results show i suspect there will be a similar pattern but obviously if the data holds true across the country we should be deeply encouraged and here's why because it shows this virus is far more widespread and far less lethal than originally thought right now the number that that most are focusing on is the confirmed cases which today, as of today, Wednesday, April 29th, is about 1.04 million in America, or 1,040,000 people in the whole United States. And the confirmed deaths is just over 59,000. Again, that's as of April 29th. So if we take the low factor in the Stanford research of actual cases being 48 times higher, it means that perhaps upwards of 50 million Americans have been infected with the coronavirus, and the confirmed deaths being 59,000, the death rate is much lower than originally thought. It could be as low as a rate of 0.12%. Now keep in mind that the mortality rate of the flu is 0.1%. So if, if, again, if these, these, this data is accurate, we're, we're seeing that coronavirus might not be that much more lethal than the flu. Now, this leads to some obvious questions. One is, how did the experts miss this so badly? And in the wake of the shutdown and bailout policies that were made based on a much higher death rate, the question is, will anyone be held accountable? Millions of lives have been devastated. Now, my guess is the original numbers came out, the original numbers based on uh, a model um, by a uh, research group in the UK showed that Perhaps 500,000 people would die in the UK and 2.4 million in the United States. And my guess is that the authorities saw the data and panicked. But this shows that making decisions based on panic and fear is always disastrous. It's disastrous personally, at a family level, and certainly at a national level. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So Christians, let's stand firm and strong and upright. The next section is what I call the catechesis section. For centuries, Christians gave themselves to the practice of learning the doctrines of the Christian faith by way of a catechism. Catechesis simply means to teach orally or to instruct by word of mouth this is a practice that i think is sorely missed in our day and i think we would benefit tremendously by turning to it again taking up this practice again and so i want to do my part to promote the practice of catechesis so i'm making my way through a modern catechism called the new city catechism what it does is it takes from a number of ancient creeds and catechisms like the heidelberg catechism and the westminster confession of faith It takes different parts of them and puts it together in a more modern catechism with modern vernacular. You can actually download the app for free, New City Catechism, for your phone, and I would strongly encourage you to do so. So today's question and answer, question and answer number four, may seem so obvious and silly to even talk about, but I think it's a hotly contested issue in our society today, and quite frankly, it may be the tip of the spear In terms of some major culture wars so question number four what is it here's the question how and why did God create us answer God created us male and female in his own image to know him love him live with him and glorify him and it is right that we who were created by God should live for his glory Now, why have Christians always thought about human sexuality in terms of male and female? Why two options instead of three, or 30, or 100? Why is gender not a spectrum, but simply male and female? And you might be wondering, Josh, why on earth are you even asking these questions? Well, did you know back in 2014, when setting up a user account on Facebook, there were 58 gender options? 58 back in 2014 but now we have progressed much further than that and i would say progressed toward the cliff of insanity and it's commonly accepted in in our day now in 2020 that gender is a spectrum that it's a fluid thing an almost infinitely malleable thing that can change from week to week and even from day to day but god has created us as male and female meaning there are two options by our creator's design. And he decides whether we are male or female. We emphatically do not. Because God created each person in his image, the present gender confusion is high-handed rebellion against God as creator. There are people caught in the confusion we should have real compassion on, no doubt. But we must see this as a manifestation of the depravity of human beings rebelling against their maker. We are made for him. We're made to know him, to love him, to live with him, and to live for his glory. Only when we are wrenched free from our narcissistic love affair with ourselves through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the, 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 the incarnation, the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ, only then when we're free through the gospel will we happily live for God's glory giving thanks to our good and loving creator, who is also our savior. The verse that goes along with question and answer number four is Genesis 127. It's a central verse in terms of God's creation of man as male and female. I would urge you to memorize this. Genesis 127 says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female created imago dei, the Latin phrase meaning in the image of God. Male and female created in the image of God. With so much confusion in our day regarding human sexuality, gender identity, and so forth, this is a much needed reminder for Christians to think about this matter with clarity. God is God and we are not and he is a good and wise and loving creator who made us to know, love, live with, and glorify him through Jesus Christ our Lord. In the history section, I want to talk about a missionary from the 19th century who served as a young man in India and later in Persia. His name was Henry Martin, and with COVID-19 occupying so much space in public discourse, we need stories like this. Henry Martin was a man who served through a plague, contracted it himself, served through it. Henry Martin was born on February, February 18th, 1781. He's born into a wealthy family which afforded him many educational opportunities. He attended Cambridge at the age of 16 and graduated with highest honors in mathematics. Henry walked away from God as a teenager, but later in God's providence, a convergence of events brought brought Henry Martin to his knees, humbly seeking the Lord. Those events included the death of his father, the prayers of a godly faithful sister, the counsel of a minister, and reading the book, The Life and Diary of David Brainerd. When Henry bowed his knees to King Jesus, he rejected a life of ease and affluence in academia in order to become a missionary. This is at the age of 21. Let's fast forward a few years. In 1806, Martin traveled to India and arrived in Calcutta, India, in May of 1806, in order to serve as a chaplain with the East India Company. Along with his chaplain duties, Martin's main work was Bible translation. His main emphasis was the three major languages of the Muslim peoples—Arabic, Persian, and Hindustani. He later died among strangers in a city in Turkey on October 16, 1812, at just 31 years of age. But before he died, Martin was able to translate the entire New Testament into both the Hindustani and Persian languages. Another Again, this is another story of a committed follower of Christ dying so young. There's so many stories like this. What is so striking in addition to his obvious accomplishments is how Henry Martin died and with what confidence in God he died. Henry Martin died from tuberculosis, a plague that was sweeping through that part of the world. And yet Henry Martin continued on in his service for Christ undeterred, until this plague eventually swallowed his life as well. And his confidence lay in the fact that he would live as long as he had work to do from the Lord. As long as the Lord had stuff for him to do, he would live. As death came nearer and nearer, Martin wrote, if I live to complete the Persian New Testament, my life after that will be of less importance. But whether life or death be mine, may Christ be magnified in me. If he has work for me to do, I cannot die. Henry Martin believed and lived what Christians have always understood, that death is a necessary part of our life in this world, and that our lives are in God's hands. Psalm 139.16 says, In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God has written our story. He is the author of our life. We live as long as he has determined. Henry Henry Martin understood this. Furthermore, Martin lived supremely for God's glory, forsaking a life of lesser things. And when you put those two things together, that his life was in God's hands, and he lived for God's glory, you see Henry Martin believed and lived as though he were immortal until the lord's work for him was done and of course he was and if you are in christ so are you this is the kind of wisdom we need today so let's pray like moses did in psalm 90 verse 12 when he said teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. We need that in this day. We, as Christians, need to show a panicked, scared, fearful, finicky world about the hope that we have. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may get this heart of wisdom. Thanks again for listening to the Living by Faith podcast. If you found it helpful, please subscribe, like, and share with a friend. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ And the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all.